Amen. Good morning. Good to see everyone this morning. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I loved Mike's message last week. I loved the topic. I loved the concept of an, un- an unchanging God in an ever-changing world. And I loved it so much that I decided, with Mike's permission, to do part two of an unchanging God in an ever-changing world. And uh, you only need uh, Kyle to come up here and speak from the overflow of his heart and say, it is good to be married. It is good to find a wife, right? To know that things are constantly changing, right? Things are constantly changing, right? They say change is inevitable, except from a vending machine. You ever heard that one? But have you ever felt like change happens so often, you're always just kind of one step behind a little bit? Someone once said, just when I think I have learned the way to live, life changes. You're like, man, if I could just go back to high school now, oh man, I'd just nail it. I'd be so different if I was in college. I'd be so different as a parent now. I'd be so different if I was a grandparent now. Wait, no, that's getting up in the room. But that's kind of where, where I'm at. I'm like, holy cow, look how my life has changed, right? I can believe it or not, I can remember when I was in high school. I can remember before that. I know that seems hard for you guys to conceptualize. But, um, you know, things change. And they, I, I didn't hear that, and I'm glad I didn't. Um, <laughs> things change quickly, right? Um, Sue and I uh, went back to... Oh, oh, that was it. Hey, things change. That's right, amen. Right there. Object lesson. Um, Sue and I, uh, you know, moved here from Chicago a little over a year ago. And Sue, I've been back to Chicago frequently. Sue hadn't been back much. And so uh, over Christmas... Uh, we, we went back, and Sue, again, hadn't been back for a while, and so we drive off the highway, kind of off into our suburb, and I'm just driving, and all of a sudden, ah! I mean, Sue, Sue just yelps. And I'm like, I mean, I literally almost drove into the car next to me, and I'm like, what's going on? She's like, there's a target there. I'm like... Honey, I'm trying to drive over here. But she's like, I didn't know there was a target there. Who put a target there? It's kind of like, how dare they change our city while we're gone? And if you're going to change it, at least someone email us, text us, let us know what's going on. But change happens, right? Everything changes. Music changes. The 80s is back in pop music, which I'm fired up about. You know what's not back? 80s hairstyles. Those are not back. Those are not back. Maybe soon. Maybe maybe soon. People change, right? And can you pop up uh, picture one? People change. Whoops, picture one. Sorry, that's, that's right, that's right. Whoop, nope, one more. There you go. Yeah, that's all right, sorry. Um, so that's James, right? So people change, but especially little people change, right? That was our grandson James two years ago when he couldn't hold his head up by himself. Now he likes to run around at our house and go, You! That's his favorite thing to do. We, we just point back and forth. You! You know? 
But that's just a couple of years. That's a big difference. Let's go to the next one. Yeah, that's Kristen. Right? Who's that? People change. Right. And then, yeah, I don't want to bring that up, but people change, right? <laughs> Little people get it, grow into big people. No comments. Hair that used to be there goes away. You know, one of my favorite comments, really not my favorite, but a, a comment that I'll always remember about change was there was a sister in our Bible discussion group in, in Evanston, and we had our, Sue and I had our wedding picture up, and she looked at our wedding, she, she saw it for the first time, she looked at our wedding picture, then she looked up at me, then she looked at our wedding picture again, then she looked up at me, and I was like, don't be careful here, I knew something was coming, and she goes, what happened? And I was like, you know you just said that out loud, right? You know, these are in, internal voice, right? You gotta keep that inside. But guys, things things change, right? Sometimes for the better and sometimes they just change, amen? Uh, amen? Technology changes, right? I mean, we can talk to someone, you know, you can see someone's face on your phone now talking to you. From across the ocean, I was on a client call the other day, and I'm looking at them in their living room in London while I'm talking to them on my phone. I'm like, man, I come from an era where we used to care if you had lots of zeros in your phone number, because it would take longer to dial. It's like three, two, zero, zero. I mean, guys, rotary phones. I mean, I, I remember being at work in the late 90s and going, I've, I've got to find the lyric for this song that I was searching for. And some, a co-worker said, you know, try this thing, Google. I was like, what's that? And so I put the lyrics into Google and sure enough, the song popped up and I was like, what kind of magic is this? I mean, I remember the first time I used Google. I mean, wow, I know, late 90s, right? Guys, but things change, right? Medicine changes, nutrition changes, ideas of morality change. Governments change, societies change. And is it any wonder that the world constantly searches for something to hold on to that is constant? We're always searching for that. The problem is much of what people can put their hope in can be impermanent. And can even be an illusion. You know, the Bible says in Job 8, this is an interesting scripture. In verse 13, such is the destiny of all who forget God. So perishes the hope of the godless. What they trust in is fragile. What they rely on is a spider's web. They lean on the web, but it gives way. They cling to it, but it does not hold. That's kind of an amazing image. It's one that's always stuck with me. You ever seen one of those huge cobwebs like they have in the jungle or a forest or maybe a haunted house? It almost looks, you know, opaque. It's so thick. Imagine putting your whole weight, thinking you could support your weight and leaning on that. Or you ever done a trust fall? Ever been to a corporate event? (laughs) Trust fall? How about, you know, you've got to just kind of, someone's supposed to catch you, right? You fall back. And the point is, they catch you. They always catch you. Amen, I hope. Imagine doing a trust fall and you weren't caught. That's the feeling. Imagine, you ever, you ever been leaning back on your chair and all of a sudden, and you lose it and you fall back? 
it's that kind of heart in the mouth kind of. It's not a good feeling to be leaning on something that gives way. Yet when we're not leaning on God, that's what inevitably inevitably happens. Aren't you grateful that God isn't like that? Aren't you grateful that God does not change? Aren't you grateful that He's trustworthy? I'm going to give you my top two lists of awesome, comforting scriptures about God's unchanging nature. You ready for this? My top two list. Malachi 3.6 I, the Lord, do not change. Amen? Straight and to the point. How about this one? Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Isn't that feel good? So I've got basically one point today. And that is, God is our immovable rock. And I'm praying that this brings comfort to us as things change all around us. And I'm, I'm going to start with a few scriptures. And I'm going to kind of zip through these. If you need them, I can give you my notes. But I'm just going to zip through, through these. But So let me give you a few scriptures about God being our rock. And there's almost 50 scriptures about God being an immovable rock in the Bible. Okay? There's actually many more scriptures than that about God being a rock, but specifically being a steadfast, immovable rock. Here's a few. Deuteronomy 32.3 I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all His ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is He. 1 Samuel 2.2 There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Psalm 18.2 The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Psalm 62, verse 2. Truly He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Isaiah 26, verse 4. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord Himself, is the rock eternal. When you think of Christ as your rock, what kind of a rock do you think of? I mean, could you pop up picture three, hopefully? Yeah. Do you think of that kind of a rock? Christ is your rock? A rock you could throw? Probably not. How about this? Is that more like what you think of? That's like one of the world's biggest rocks. Okay? That's uh, called the Zuma Rock in Nigeria. It's about 2,900 feet high. And um, I feel like that's a rock you could lean on. I feel like that's a rock you could take shelter in. You know, I feel like that rock is pretty permanent. If you notice to the right there, you see that house right to the right there on the road. You can kind of just see the edge of it. It's right behind the wall. There's a pink wall there and there's like a little house. I want you to imagine someone living in that house, right? And they bought this house and they're always in the shadow of that rock. That'd be kind of cool, right? Maybe, you know, it depends on what's your idea. <laughs> you know, that's kind of awe-inspiring. You walk out every day, you see this massive rock. But imagine 
If the person who lived in that house and lived there, you know, 10 years, 15 years, imagine that person walked out of his door every two hours to make sure that rock was still there. <laughs> Can you imagine walking out of your house? Yeah, let me just check. Ooh, check that out. It is still there. Amazing. That seems absurd, right? It seems absurd. But that's all of us. That's all of us. Jesus, our steadfast, perfect, immovable, fortress, deliverer, stronghold of a rock is always there. But guys, we are frail. And because everything is impermanent around us, it's how often do we have to check that? How often do we wonder, is, is that rock still really there? And it's amazing what we can do because of our own experience is it's kind of projecting or transferring our own experience onto a characteristic of God. Perhaps there's been abandonment in your life. So guess what? You're going to struggle most likely with feeling like, is God really always there for me? But that's, that's normal. That can be expected because we're frail humans. But when you really think about it logically, what we feel internally has no impact on that which is outside of us. Right? So how you feel about Jesus and whether he's right there for you, does that really actually change whether he's there or not? It absolutely doesn't. Isn't it amazing how internally what we're thinking about, what we've gone through, our experience can impact how we view things? Let me give you a simple example. I just thought of this during communion. Sue and I kind of winked at each other because as the communion's being passed, we've been on this um, detox from sugar, right? Thank you, Chandra. And... Uh, She's doing slightly better than me, but I'm doing pretty well. But, uh, you know, we've been getting off of sugar completely. So we both drink the communion grape juice, and it hit us like an opiate. You know what I mean? Like, when you haven't had sugar in a while, and you drink that grape juice, it's like, say what? That's the sweetest thing I've ever tasted in my life. Now, did the grape juice change at all? The grape juice was the same exact brand of juice. Okay, I haven't confirmed this. But I'm pretty sure. It's the exact same juice we've been having for a year while we've been here. Okay? What's changed? My internal experience. Right? My interaction with the grape juice, because where I'm at, <laughs> you know, chemically, medically, psychologically, experientially, that's completely changed the way I interact with that grape juice. But what if I just went and made, lodged a complaint with Mike? Mike, that grape juice is way too sweet. This grape juice will not do. But it's the same grape juice. No, it is not. This is way sweeter. But it's the same. No, it is not. But we can be fully convinced that something is something based on our own experience. Yet, 
It's really exactly the same. It's identical. And what I love about God and what I love about the Bible is He knows this about us. Why do you think there are so many scriptures reminding us that He is always there? That He is our rock. He is our fortress. He will never leave us. Why not just say it once? Because we need it over and over again in a changing world. We need to be reminded. And I love some of the passages of scriptures that shows the kind of emotional internal processing of this changing world relative to our own experience. Look in Psalm 42. We're going to stay here for a few minutes. Doing great, Rob. So Psalm 42 is one of these scriptures that many of us know the most about this psalm based on two verses, and it's the first two verses. These first two verses are two of the most encouraging, exciting, faith-filled, spurring you on to love God verses anywhere in the Bible. Check them out. Psalms 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Stop there. If I had to evaluate the writer of this psalm at this point, I would say this person is an, is an incredibly good place, spiritually, emotionally right now. It's like, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be every day, yearning for my God. God, when can I be with you? But let's look at the rest of the story. Immediately in verse 3, this psalm takes a very interesting turn. My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Interesting. These are things he's talking about. I I remember those times. I remember when I used to go to church, sing, shout, dance all about, be excited. I remember those times. What's the implication? That's not happening now. I remember those times, but guess what? Right now, my tears have been my food day and night. Look at verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? We're getting more and more of a picture of where this person is. This is person, someone going through a difficult time, questioning, sad, perhaps scared. <laughs> now look at the next verse. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Amen. Okay, I'm sad, I'm perplexed, but I'm faithful. <laughs> but do you see kind of the up and down, the emotions, how, how the psalmist is experiencing God? I can't wait to get with God, but my tears are my food. Right? 
What in the world? People are saying, where is your God? I remember the good times, but I'm not having them now. Oh, but wait, I will yet praise Him. Okay, amen. But kind of all over the map. Emotionally, right? Why is this in the Bible? Because we're all like this. (laughs) We're all like this. Look in verse 6. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. From the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. Now, this takes an even more significant turn to my mind. Now the psalmist is saying, I literally feel like, God, you are causing waves to sweep over me and I'm drowning. See how that's taking a bit of a turn? It's like I'm not just sad. I'm attributing my sadness to you, God. You're sending the waves. I feel like I'm drowning. Now verse 8. By day the Lord directs His love. At night His song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Okay, amen. That's comforting. (laughs) Does this feel like five different psalms? We're all over the place. Yeah. Now check this out. Verse 9. I say to my to God my rock. Okay, so this, this ought to be good, right? Because this is everything I've been setting this up for. God is our rock, our stronghold, our deliverer, our fortress, right? So he's going to say something awesome to God, right? God, my rock. What does he say? Why have you forgotten me? Whoa. That's intense, guys. This is someone, right? We, who, who wrote the psalm? It's, the, it's a psalm of the sons of Korah. That's why I say he. It's, it's someone. It's one of the sons of Korah wrote this psalm. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Think about that. How can an unchanging, perfect God who has said over and over, I love you, my dear child, how can you feel that God has really forgotten you. How can you say to God, your rock, you've forgotten me? Guess what? God knows this is the human condition. If you're ever concerned about your relationship with God and your ups and downs, Guys, I believe God gives us permission to be human. There is so much grace. Why would God put that in His own Bible? Why would God record that? Why aren't these just stories of faith, inspiration? Guys, the Bible is so real. And when we're going through tough times, and we feel like the waves are crashing over us, go live in the Psalms. Right? People have called it the blues. The original blues. Right? Jason likes that one. Right? Get out the guitar. Guys, the Psalms is the original blues. We're actually going to go to the, actually the real, real original blues in a second. You're like, oh, that's great. Thanks, Ralph, for the uplifting heads up. Uh, but, uh, guys, we have a psalmist saying to God, his rock, why have you forgotten me? 
He goes on, why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? You know, maybe prayerfully you don't have a lot of people walking around you and circling you, taunting you spiritually, saying, where is your God? But that can be in our head, can it? Yeah. Where is your God? Look what you're going through. That, that's how I read it from this psalmist. He's wrestling with, God, where are you? Verse 11. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Yet this is how the psalm ends. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. That is the trajectory of so many psalms, it's unbelievable. Probably the most jarring one like that is Psalm 73, which is a psalm of Asaph that says, My foot had almost slipped. Basically, I was almost out of here. I looked at the world, I looked at the prosperity of everyone else, I looked at everyone else getting this and that, and I'm like, I'm so out of, the, out of here. But then, at the end of the psalm, He says, but then I went to the sanctuary of God and his faith returned. But the Bible is full of all of this, guys, because God knows God knows we are frail. God knows that not only does the world change, but our mind is moving a mile a minute. That's one of the reasons the Bible says take every thought captive. Right? Because our minds are moving a mile a minute. But it is only human to go through these difficult things. Don't get down on yourself when you're going through difficulties, when you're going through struggles. Go to the Bible and relate to what God has put there for you and go, yes, I'm going through all this, but I will yet praise him. It's okay. how long it may take a while to get there. Just make sure you get there. We'll help you get there, right? That's what we're here for. For I put your hope in God. Why will I hope in Him? Guys, we know the song, For the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, right? It's steadfast. It never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. I'm going to finish up by looking at what precedes. I said we're going to go to the blues. Now we're about to go to Lamentations. Look at Lamentations chapter 3. I'm just going to look at a few verses preceding one of our favorite songs, right? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. We sing it all the time. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. How faithful is that? But when's the last time you checked out what preceded that chorus in Lamentations. Look at this. Lamentations 3. I could read the entire thing, but I'm going to only start in verse 14. You'll get the idea. Lamentations 3.14 I have become the laughing stock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. Let me be clear. When he says he, he's speaking about God. This entire lament is about 
how the writer feels about how God has been treating him. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. Check this out. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. Guys, why is this in the Bible? (laughs) What in the world, Ralph? We came here to be encouraged. (laughs) This is the Bible. Why is this in here? Because God wants wants us to know that He understands us. Imagine if the Bible was all just rah-rah. All ups, no downs. That would be very difficult on us. Aren't you grateful that Jesus could relate to every single thing? The Bible called him a man of sorrows. Every biblical character went through ups and downs. Let's not get so down on ourselves when we're going through a down. Yeah. Look at verse 17. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. If that's not a blues tune, I don't know what is. So I say my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But, yay, we're about to take a turn. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Is that amazing now when we sing that song, the context of that song? Guys, there's never a moment that we're too down or too assaulted by the slings and arrows of Satan, of the change of the world, that we can't take a deep breath and go, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Just because we're going through all this, which, and it's not just not minimizing it, because that's all we got. What's in our hearts and in our heads, that's everything to us. It may seem insignificant to someone else. It's completely significant to you because that's all you have. Okay, maybe I'd be doing better if I had your thought process, if I had your background, if I had your way of processing life. But I don't. I've only got what I've got. So it's significant. But the exciting thing is as significant as that is, I believe these scriptures are here to go. I can... Go to my God and go, God, I know I still have hope. I know that you are my rock. I know that your love is steadfast. I know that your mercies never come to an end. 
One of the most encouraging scriptures in the Bible is in Romans 8, verse 38, where Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not that just God is always there. We've still got that rock up there, right? You look at that rock, what's inspiring about that rock? What's inspiring about it is that it's just immense and immovable, right? It's just, it's fixed. It's like, it's steady. It's not inconsistent. It's like, I can lean on that rock. But I don't know if that rock makes you feel comforted in the sense of, man, I just feel so loved by that big thing right now. You know? <laughs> it's not just that God is permanent and constant. It's that His love for you personally is permanent and constant. That none of the slings and arrows of life, none of the waves crashing over your life can ever separate you from the love of God. Nothing can. And when you're worried about the permanence of God's love, think of Zuma Rock. (laughs) Better than that, think of the Scriptures, right? But... I mean, let's not be the people walking outside of our house every two hours checking to see if that rock's still there. Guys, Jesus will never leave us. He will never leave you. There's nothing that can separate us from His love, and that's exciting. I hope that that's comforting. I hope that that is an anchor to your soul in the stormy seas. And I had a second point. I'm not even going to go there because it's time to quit. But uh, let's cling to our God, our rock. Amen? Amen? He's our salvation, our redeemer, our fortress, our friend. He loves us with an inseparable, unchanging, and unending love. Amen? Amen. Amen.